Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer joining you. It's 12.35 in Edmonton. We're down in Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, we're hearing reports, uh, text coming in right now, that Highway 2 has some challenges south of uh, Leduc. So for everybody back in Edmonton, please drive safely. The Oilers in the second back, uh, second of a back-to-back, uh, their second back-to-back this year. They're in Tampa. They have yet to host a team on a back-to-back. And, uh, well, lots of you have lots of perspectives. Uh, this text comes in from Andy, the carpet guy he says mcdavid leon nugent hopkins and hyman have been good barry has been terrific the rest of the team better start swimming harder because they're sinking the team coach jay should start leon and connor together today and use 97 and 29 on the pk that one comes to us from andy the carpet guy well dry sidles played a fair amount on the penalty kill over the last few years uh mcdavid got pulled off a couple of years ago by dave tippett uh we're going to tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to roost chris steakhouse whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town every meal is an occasion at roost chris steakhouse now open tuesday through sunday five until 10 p.m tell chef Toff and chris that oilers now sent you it's the greatest steak you've ever had as we head off to the river Cree resort and casino hotline and we welcome back to the show Daily Faceoffs, Frank Saravalli for Horse Racing Alberta. Live standard bread racing returns to Century Mile on Friday, November the 18th. For more information, visit thehorses.com. And Frank, we've seen some wild swings already this season. The Oilers, a five-game winning streak. They've dropped three in a row. The Leafs were in a world of hurt about a week ago after they went out to the uh, Pacific, came back. They've strung together some wins. Pittsburgh looked like... uh, they were going great guns early. They came out west and haven't won since. And the St. Louis Blues were, the, you know, went the longest undefeated, partially because they didn't play a lot of games, and they've dropped seven in, uh, in a row. There's, it, it's been already a, a fairly crazy season, hasn't it, Frank? Yeah, it's certainly been chaotic, Bob. I mean, teams that looked really good to start have come back to earth. Uh, teams that started poorly have played a lot better, and then there's teams like. I don't know, Calgary or the Oilers or whoever it may be that have sort of had really good moments and stretches and also some really tough ones. And so this has been a tough sort of season to figure out from that perspective that it feels like everyone has at least a little bit of something in their game that they're a little bit disappointed in. There's also a couple teams at the top of the leaderboard in their respective conferences with new head coaches. And I, I, you know, you, you take a look at the Vegas Golden Knights. Bruce Cassidy 
and it was pretty clear Bruce Cassidy, the, the message had worn thin a bit in Boston. The Bruins, you know, get a guy in Monty and, and Jim Montgomery getting a second chance to be an NHL head coach. And he's more of a player's coach and clearly it's worked in Boston, but they're getting stops and Vegas are getting stops. Is there something to maybe new voices from coaches being part of the reason why we're seeing some successful starts from some teams to start the year? Yeah, I think that's definitely been part of it. I mean, I think especially with the case of Boston, and it's not just on the ice, it's also um, the changes that were allowed to basically take place off the ice for the Bruins. You know, Patrice Bergeron coming back for another season, David Krejci making the decision to come back to North America after playing at home last year. Um, Jake DeBrusque, for instance, who rescinds his trade request, like, Changing a coach can have wide-ranging impacts, but you know what's interesting is, as much as there have been, you know, some of the coaching changes have have benefited teams. I also look at some other teams that haven't changed coaches, where the seats were pretty warm, and the teams have rebounded in a significant way. I mean, you guys got a taste of the New Jersey Devils on their uh, swing through Alberta. Um, there was lots of talk about Lindy Ruff and his job security, not just in the summer, but also, you know, even after the first couple games of the season, their home opener, fans are chanting, fire Lindy. Um, you know, what about a team like the Seattle Kraken? Dave Haxall got no shortage of criticism last year and, and not saying that coaching is the only part of it, but Seattle is way more competitive and maybe that has more to do with some of the changes that they made to their forward group with Beniers, Burakovsky, um, and some others that, you know, have come in, Bjorkstrand, the three B. So there's there are certainly things you can point to where you could say the coach has made a difference, and I, I believe that is the case and can be the case. But at some point, you know, the coach can only do so much. And at some point, just thinking of a situation like Vancouver, because that's been hot, on the news the last 24 hours after the comments from Jim Rutherford, Bruce Boudreau can only do what he can with the group that he's handed. And so I think that's also part of the equation as well. We're joined by Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. Uh, just circling back here for a second. Montgomery is 11-2 and in Boston. Derek Lalonde, the new coach in Detroit, is 7-3-2. and Peter DeBruyne, coach in Dallas, is 8-3-1. and Winnipeg's new coach, Rick Bonas, formerly of Dallas, is 7-3-1. and So there's four teams right there. Hackstall, 11-2 and in Vegas to start. Let's go to Vancouver. On the hook, $2.5 bucks still on Travis Green. Believed at $2.5 million for Bruce Boudreau. Um, are you hearing Rick Tockett's name out there at all? Or is that too good of a gig with him with TNT? He's got a great gig. There's no question about that. And I know he's really happy there doing that. I've had my eye on two coaches, Tockett being one, and of course, Barry Trotz is the other. I think those two sort of rise to the top of the list when it comes to any coaching changes that might be made. I could see Rick Tockett making some sense, um, but I, I also think the Canucks are in a position where if they make a coaching change, I don't believe they want to be spending a lot of money on a third coach for a season in which they're probably, even at this point, to Jim Rutherford's own words last night uh, as he did a hit on Sportsnet 650 saying, 
they're already kind of looking at next year and changes for uh, this roster as the season goes on, heading into next offseason, trying to generate as much cap space as possible. And so when you have that scenario, I kind of think maybe Mike Yo is, is a guy that fits as their interim, someone that's on the bench already, has done the job as recently as last year, has also been the interim coach in St. Louis and in Minnesota. Um my guess is that's the exact reason he's on the bench. Want to talk about St. Louis as well. Uh, Craig Berube. You know, they beat the Oilers 2-0. They scored five minutes into the game on the power play and then got an empty netter and improved at that point to 3-0. And have subsequent to that, they got shut out Winnipeg. The Oilers went in there and beat them 3-1. They dropped seven straight games. There is no general manager in the league that's plugged in with the other GMs as much and as highly thought of as much as Doug Armstrong. Like he is, he's in on a lot, as you know. Uh, and maybe in a little bit different way than a Kelly McCrimmon in Vegas who are relentless in their pursuit to the point that, you know, they'll move players out that they acquired two years earlier for nothing. Is there any possibility something could break in St. Louis here if this doesn't get turned around? I don't think it has anything to do with coaching. I don't think it has anything to do in this case, even though the numbers are ugly in, in goal with Jordan Bennington. Um, I think that when you watch this team and, and watch them closely and how they've played, I think two things stand out. One, they really miss David Perron. Um, not only did Ryan O'Reilly have fantastic chemistry with him, but he also was a big part of their power play. And I think that was a miss by Doug Armstrong and not bringing him back. And really the equation for the Blues came down to one of David Perron or Nick Letty. And they went with Nick Letty on the back end. Uh, their defense has really struggled. They've struggled to keep the puck out of their net. And they've struggled at times, you know, with leads too. So, you know, they're in a spot where, you know, they've, they have a lot of talent. I don't look at that team and say, I could have seen a seven game losing streak coming. I think not having the support of someone like Billy Huso has also been damaging uh, because he was able to come in and, and spell that team for a large stretch. And I know there were a number of teams around the league that really liked Billy Huso. But we're concerned going back to this summer about sort of how the playoffs played out and he lost his job to Jordan Bennington and, and what does that mean for his future in terms of free agency. So um, he went with the wings. The wings have been good and they're pretty well positioned now in net with Kosa moving forward. Um, but St. Louis is in a spot where they've got to try and find a way to pick up the pieces. They... Um, that team's too talented, I think, on paper. They need more from Jordan Cairo, um, who's been, <laughs> think? Uh, I think, lackadaisical at times. But they also need way more from Ryan O'Reilly. How much is this contract situation impacting him? One point in 10 games? Are, like, you, you, Come on. I know that he's a good defensive player, but his defense has been lacking at times this year, too. Minus 12 for O'Reilly. Minus 15 for Cairo. St. Louis's leading goal scorer, Tarasenko, is also a UFA this year. He's got four goals. That's it. I mean, that's, uh, that's crazy. Well, Frank, give me your assessment on Edmonton. It's been.
been up and down. I mean, you saw the the five game run that they were on, and and you're thinking, okay, like this team is, is sort of taking off, and. Obviously, um, there's been a lot of bright spots when you look at, um, you know, just the seasons again, of course, that not just McDavid and Dreisaitl are having, but even as encouraging as the start uh, has been for Nugent Hopkins. I don't know that a lot of people saw that coming. Um, The forwards seem to be clicking, at least the top six. And the, the question is, what are you getting from the rest of your lineup further down? And still have some concerns about, you know, the bottom part of the defense core as well. You know, when I look at um, this group, like I, I just I want to see more from some of the other players that are there, and, and definitely need to see a lot more from Jack Campbell. I, I've been right from the very beginning, and you know, it's not Pollyannish with me at all in terms of where I thought the Oilers might be. Um, I, I had significant question marks about Jack Campbell and, and his fit um, and his ability to be a consistent goalie in this league. And so watching him sort of publicly flog himself for the start that he's had, saying it was pathetic, um, it's definitely not confidence-inspiring. And for the time being, I think they're in a spot where they need to ride Stuart Skinner. Uh, he needs to stop doing that because, believe me, he's got lots of support in terms of why there's been challenges for him out of the gate. It hasn't, team hasn't played well. It's that simple. And the expectation level has risen here. And they got $9 million worth of three forwards that haven't done anything. They got one goal between the three of them in 13 games. Um, and the penalty killing right now is just an unmitigated disaster. And the orders have got to be proactive and find Frank a couple subtler off the chart additions that aren't maybe frontline guys that are sexy names for trade deadline day shows, but might be useful pieces that improve their bottom six forwards, you know what, as an example. You know what they need? They need edge. They need someone that makes your team really difficult to play against. And well, give you a guy. I don't know how much edge he plays with, but there's a player out there uh, that can kill penalties. Okay? He can skate. He can take face-offs. He's a right shot. He plays right wing and center. And he's on a team where we all know what's going to happen with that team. And that's Chicago. And the player's name. What's that? Sam Lafferty. Sam Lafferty. There you go. $1.125 million cap hit. That's the type of player Edmonton needs to go get. Yeah, so you you asked me about Sam Lafferty last week, and I, I think that makes sense. Let me throw this at you, and I mentioned this to someone yesterday as I was assessing the Oilers and just making my calls around the league. People are probably going to laugh when when they hear me say this, but I think you actually miss Zach Cassian more than you think in terms of being that player that's difficult to play against. And, no, you don't like Zach Cassian, and the reason why his act wore thin uh, towards the end is because of his cap hit. But if you had – Zach Cassian's style of play at 750000 bucks or a million, I think everyone looks at that a bit differently, would they not? Yes. Does that player play for Philly? Well, I mean, uh, someone Zach like a well. Nick Delorier, is that what you're asking? What about Zach McEwen? Yeah, I mean, those, Zach, those guys, he run, he, they've all been out there and available, too. That's the thing. Is like, they've got, like, McEwen is someone that went through the waiver wire last year. Like, the, the Oilers have some guys right now that are providing no dimension whatsoever. Okay? None. You got to do something. 
And, you know, and, and I think sometimes what happens here is there's players that have an expectation that they don't have to reinvent themselves. Well, if I get my opportunity with those guys, I can do this too. Instead of willing themselves to, to play more in the lineup. You know what I'm saying, Frank? It, it makes sense to me. Um, and I, I think part of the problem is, though, the Oilers are in a spot cap-wise where they there's really not a lot they can do unless they're moving someone out because there just isn't any flexibility. Yeah, uh, well, and that's why Lafferty at $1.125 million and Zach McEwen at $750,000, those guys have dimensions. And Lafferty's, Lafferty at this stage is a third-line right wing for the Blackhawks, who's an excellent penalty killer, which the Oilers could use. And and McEwen is what he is. He's a fourth-line guy that runs around and bangs and will, and is he doesn't scare anybody fighting-wise, but at least you know he'll be there. So when the Dallas Stars try to rub your nose in it a bit, you got a little bit of pushback. Going, all right, you want to play that game? Well, we got to, you know, because I don't want to see Nurse and Evander Kane have to do it, Frank. So, well, they shouldn't uh, have to. Like those guys are now on this team with the skill that they provide. They're the prized pieces. Like you don't have those players potentially sitting out for six weeks after they crack their hand cracking it on someone's skull like it just doesn't that doesn't make sense for the oilers with where they're at yeah all right um how much discussion is out there right now we've got ken holland coming up you know he's obviously in contact with people on a daily basis but what are you hearing frank i mean you've got a lot of sources out there what are you hearing in terms of you know is there any trade talk going on around the league I think it's actually picking up, and it's really funny the way it works in this league because um, without revealing too many secrets, there is a GM chat that exists with the 32 general managers, and they're all on one text thread. And guys sort of poke fun at themselves or their own team and sort of lob something into the chat like, oh, I would trade my entire team right now. And they you know, may or may not be an emoji attached, but... It's sort of in jest, and everyone sort of chuckles at it and is like, hey, we've all been there. Um, but it, it's funny because I think some of that actually sparks and spurs conversation, and there's this dance that's played where, you know, the, the GM will ask another about five or six different players on the team, and then all of a sudden it narrows down to three, and what would it take to get this guy? And it's like it's this long sort of drawn-out process that, you know, teams are already doing their homework for what March 3 looks like, and they're trying to get the lay of the land. But I say all that to say that those types of conversations, those types of messages have begun to uh, pop up a little bit more frequently in the last week and, and certainly last few days to the point where we're now 10, 11, 15 games in, and teams have a pretty good sense of not just what they do have, but perhaps more importantly, what they don't. And that's where you start to see some of those conversations take place. Usually, Bob, it waits till kind of December for things to really start to heat up. And I've noticed that this year in particular, there seems to be more chatter earlier than in years past. I'll tell you what the Oilers don't have. They don't have enough players that play outside of their top six or seven forwards. Uh, that identify themselves and take pride in the support roles. 
and it limits. And I'll tell you why that is. Go for it. Because there's been such a high priority, and rightfully so, based on skill. Yeah. That instead of teams that build by role or by archetype, and I think a really good example of that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They really key in on role and fit. And, and specific things that they want a player to do rather than saying we need this guy to score goals or we need this guy to skate fast or whatever it is. And they're really well focused on all of their acquisitions are sort of curated around a role as opposed to purely just trying to get the best collection of skilled players that they can. And so the Oilers have come a long way in the sense that they didn't have any really any skill to speak of outside of the top two lines that they had before. And now what they're trying to focus on, I think, is more of a fit factor that, you know, can help transform this team moving forward. You know, one day somebody's going to have to write a piece, Frank, about how Tampa Bay always ensured when they moved those number ones off for the likes of Coleman or the likes of uh, Brandon Hagel, that they always found a way to get fourth or fifth round picks back in those trades. They got three guys playing tonight. They drafted them uh, as over, you know, overage players, not as 18-year-olds. Uh, Cole Kopke is a 24-year-old, played at Minnesota Duluth. You know, he was drafted in 2018. He's 24. So he would have been 20 when he was drafted. Colton was drafted uh, at 20 as well, or 19 or 20 out of Vermont. And they got Nicholas Perbex on defense drafted at uh, 19 out of uh, out of the USHL. And they've, they've drafted a little bit older kids that they know were, were, were headed to NCAA rounds four and beyond. And those guys are now some of their support players. And, and they're trying to carve out a but new But I wasn't form. even talking about those types of support players. I'm talking more of like the... Um, Brandon Hagel's and the Nick Pauls. Like, look what you get from Nick Paul, and he plays a very, very specific role that is, if you look at the underlying numbers and analytics, is among the very best in the league um, in terms of that position. So Frank. they're able to key in on that and then find a way to keep him on a seven-year deal at 3.15. Frank, uh, you weren't with us last year. I must have brought Nick Paul up for the last year and a half before he got traded from Ottawa to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I love Nick Paul. And he, the, the, during the bubble year for Ottawa, he was exceptional. And there's, you know, tonight he's centering their second line because Sorelli's out of the lineup. So, great but stuff. But normally he's playing third. He's playing third line, right? And that's a team that has properly slotted based on role, right? Right. He's a heck of a player. Love having you on, Frank. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Bob. Be safe down there with the weather in Florida. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, from Daily Faceoff for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta, live standard bet racing returns to Century Mile Friday, November the 18th. More info at thehorses.com. That is Frank Saravalli. If you are looking for a great Oilers road trip, you can join Oilers now in Vegas in January. We sold out our New York City trip. It's coming up in about a week and a half to two weeks from now. The Oilers play the Golden Knights in Vegas in January. You'll see all the famous Vegas attractions. This new West travel hockey package includes airfare three nights the five-star cosmopolitan hotel on the vegas strip game tickets and a welcome reception with yours truly for the Oilers now hockey vegas package call new west travel or visit newwesttravel.com we are going to go to uh, the global news weather traffic update coming up with eileen bell when we return a one-on-one sit-down conversation with edmonton Oilers general manager ken holland this is Oilers now